Hi, Kevin Horgan here, our Culture in Coate. Uh, this is going to be about Roland Fryer, not just the man. He is the youngest uh, tenured black professor at Harvard ever, the oldest university in the United States. Uh, so I'd say his bona fides are strong. Uh, I'm going to ask you to look up Roland Fryer, F-R-Y-E-R. He is not really a controversial figure, except if you don't accept the empirical data that he uses uh, on A, showing that there is no systemic racism in police shootings, and B, that defunding the police is going to cost thousands of black lives. Um, So it's important, I think, that we go right to his information. In 2017, I believe, he came out with a report uh, on using data uh, solely, uh, looking for uh, discriminating practices or patterns of in the use of force. Uh, So I'm going to read directly from his conclusion. The issue of police violence and its racial incidents has become one of the most divisive topics in American discourse. Emotions run the gamut from outrage to indifference, yet very little data exists to understand whether racial disparities in police use of force exist or might be explained by situational factors inherent in the complexity of police-civilian interactions. Beyond the lack of data, the analysis of police behavior is fraught with difficulty, including but not limited to the reliability of any data that does exist and the fact that one cannot randomly assign race. With these caveats in mind, his paper takes first steps into the treacherous terrain of understanding the nature and extent of racial differences in police use of force and the probability of police interaction. On non-lethal uses of force, there are racial differences, sometimes quite large, in police use of force, even after accounting for a large set of controls designed to account for important contextual and behavioral factors at the time of the police-civilian interaction. Interestingly, as use of force increases from putting hands on a civilian to striking them with a baton, the overall probability of such an incident occurring decreases dramatically, but the racial difference remains roughly constant. Even when officers report civilians have been compliant and no arrests have been made, black people are 21% more likely to endure some form of force in an interaction. And that's bad. That was me. All right. And back to the quote from the conclusion. Yet on the most extreme use of force, officer involved shootings, we are unable to detect any racial differences in either the raw data or when accounting for controls. He continues, we argue that these facts are most consistent with a model of race-based discrimination in which police officers face discreetly higher costs for officer-involved shootings relative to non-lethal uses of force. The model is consistent with racial differences in the average returns to compliant behaviors. In the end, however, without randomly assigning race, we have no definitive proof of discrimination. Our results are also consistent with mismeasured contextual factors. 
As police officers across America consider models of community policing, such as the Boston 10-Point Coalition, look that up, folks, body-worn cameras, or training designed to purge officers of implicit bias, the results point to another simple policy experiment. Increase the expected price, and that's not a monetary price, the price of excessive force on lower-level uses. At issue today is officers are afraid for their own lives. This is my statement. And that's when excessive force. Now, no one deserves to be shot after a DUI stop. No one deserves to be shot. I don't care what he did or what he's potentially doing. No one deserves to be shot seven times in the back. But if... The world is going to erupt every time a black person is shot and the whole story does not come out and an investigation is not allowed. This will never end. And the only way to prevent that is to take weapons away from cops. Good luck with that. I'm going to go back to the conclusion of the Roland Fryer study from a couple of years ago. Quote, holding officers accountable for the misuse of hands or pushing individuals to the ground is not likely a life or death situation. As such, may be more amenable to policy change. It is plausible that racial differences in lower level uses of force are simply a distraction and movements such as Black Lives Matter should seek solutions within their own communities rather than changing the behaviors of police and other external forces. Much more troubling due to their frequency and potential impact on minority belief formation is the possibility that racial differences in police use of non-lethal force has spillovers on a myriad dimensions of racial inequality. If, for existence, blacks use their lived experience with police as evidence that the world is discriminatory, then it is easy to understand why black youth invest less in human capital or black adults are more likely to believe discrimination is an important determinant of economic outcomes. Black dignity matters. Close quote. I wanted to read that section of the conclusion from the report a couple years ago because I thought black dignity matters, just like black dads matter, uh, are profound statements and go to the heart of what's going on here. Now, as recently as June this year, uh, Professor Fryer was interviewed by Jason Riley of the Wall Street Journal, and everybody knows who Mr. Riley is. I want to give you a synopsis of that. According to uh, his working paper, Friars, on the impact of the investigations into police activities on homicide and crime rates that was published in June of this year, the investigations resulted in almost 900 excess homicides and almost 34,000 excess felonies. That's because the police pulled back. And the spike in crime rate occurred over the course of two years in the five cities where those deaths and viral incidents occurred. Freddie Gray in Baltimore, Laquan McDonald in Chicago, Timothy Thomas in Cincinnati, Taisha Miller in Riverside, California, and Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. None of the police were found to be guilty by law of anything discriminatory. Now, maybe that standard might be a little too high, and maybe there were other crimes that they were, in fact, guilty of. But many of these cases, the contributing factor was fighting with the police officer. 
Friar estimates also and suggests that investigating police departments after viral incidents of police violence, like what's going on now, is responsible for approximately 450 excess homicides a year. In perspective, this is two times the loss of life in the line of duty for the U.S. military in a year. It is over 12 times the annual loss of life due to school shootings. And incredibly, it is three times the loss of life due to lynchings between 1882 and 1901, the most gruesome years right after a failed post-Reconstruction era. I hope and pray that sensible people stop these phony demonstrations and riots, which are designed only, only to intimidate and cause fear. It's sad. It's awful. And it should stop. Roland Fryer, Professor Roland Fryer. Look him up. It's enlightening. Peace out.